All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from New York City on this, the 15th day of June, 2021. I do want to thank all of you for listening and making it one of the more popular shows on the Voice America Business Channel. also like to encourage you to continue sending along any comments you have about this show, uh, whether they're positive or negative or something in between, we'd always like to hear from you. Uh, we also like to make um, known our sponsors who make this show economically viable. Today's sponsors are Novo Resources, Sitka Gold Corp, El Oro Resources, Irving Resources, Hannon Metals, Lion One Metals, SK Mining Corp, NV Gold Corp, and Firefox Gold. And I do like to note that all of those are companies that I cover in my newsletter every week. Whenever there's news, I really pass it on and comment on it for my subscribers, and you can subscribe to my letter by going to miningstocks.com. Miningstocks.com, my letter is J. Taylor's Gold Energy in Tech Stocks. I've titled today's show, COVID-19 and Limits to Global Growth. Robert Moriarty, Dr. Quentin Henning, and Jeff Dice return as guests. The Club of, War- the Club of Rome warns that, quote, the Earth's interlocking resources, the global system of nature in which we all live, probably cannot support present rates of economic and population growth much beyond the year 2100, if that long, they say, even with advanced technology. Other elite organizations issue similar warnings, but what policies do these self-proclaimed gods of the universe have in mind for the elimination of most of the world's population? After all, we have an exponential growth in technology that is supposed to make our lives better. But the trouble is that uh, while 99% of technology may be positive for our well-being, it's also true that perhaps 1% of the new technology can be extremely harmful to humans. Bob Moriarty will discuss the unthinkable but scientifically based concerns of top independent pharmaceutical scientists about the potential threat of our new vaccines technologies to the future of the human race. Now, let me be clear, I am not an anti-vaxxer. Mrs. Taylor and I both have received our COVID-19 vaccinations, but I do not think that we should ever close our eyes to scientific evidence, no matter where that leads us, just to avoid trouble from the politically powerful who defy science when it benefits them or when it suits them. They decide to defy evidence uh, for the sake of political power and wealth. So I'm very much interested in what Bob Moriarty has to say uh, when these new, about these new vaccine technologies when he uh, visits with us in the second half of today's show. Right after our first commercial break, Dr. Quentin Henning will be with me to update us on Lion One Metals, which is moving towards gold production on its Tuvatu project in Fiji. 
The geological model identified by Dr. Henning is that this is an alkaline gold deposit, which are generally very, very large gold deposits. So while Lion 1 Metals moves towards production, it has also uh, an exceptionally, it really has an exceptionally exciting exploration program that I am keeping my subscribers up to date on, uh, and uh, also a stock that I personally own. Now, the company's news has uh, slowed down quite a bit in, in large part because of COVID-19. Uh, the, uh, the Fiji government basically shut things down there, but now things are starting to come back to life. So we're really going to be interested in what Dr. Henning has to say right after our first commercial break. But right now, I'm really thankful to tell you that Jeff Dice, the president of the Mises Institute, is with me. He's here to share uh, his ideas on issues of economic growth in light of uh, COVID-19 or whatever else he has to talk about. We're always glad to have Jeff with us. Thank you for joining me, Jeff. Thank you, Jay. It's uh, really good to have you with me. And I know that you're heading off, I I think, tomorrow to a medical freedom summit in Salem, New Hampshire. Um, uh, So... Can you tell our listeners about that and, and you know how that fits into the current mm. to the current uh, environment that we find ourselves in? Yeah, isn't that interesting when we hear these environmental types talk about the limits or a, <clears throat> having some sort of finite nature to economic growth? I mean, look at medicine. Mm-hmm. Look at the things you and I take for granted versus our great-grandparents. I mean, things were very, very scarce or non-existent in their time. Things like Novocaine at the dentist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, much less the kind of radio and diagnostic tools we have today, Uh like an MRI, which Uh can tell the doctor infinitely more than an old-fashioned x-ray ever could. So, you know, it's really an apples and oranges comparison. And as these technologies uh, develop, if we let them, uh, it's, it's really amazing how our sense of economic growth changes. I mean, there have been several points in the history of the West where politicians and other soothsayers have said, well, we've sort of reached the limits of this technology. Mm-hmm. We've reached the limits of this growth. And, you know, when it comes to the environmental apocalyptic types, mm-hmm. one thing I'd like to point out is that as people get wealthier, they actually have fewer kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, even under today's projections, with all the growth going on in huge cities uh, like Nairobi, for example, in Africa, the, the world's population is probably going to top out at about 8 billion and then begin to slowly scale back because this is simply a function of development. Ask yourself, Jay, did people mm-hmm. have more kids in 1900 or mm-hmm. in 2000? In oh, the yeah. Well, they had sure. more in 1900 because they had to do agricultural mm-hmm. labor. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a lot of this stuff is just absolute nonsense. And one of the best ways to understand why it's absolute nonsense is go back 20 or 30 or 40 years ago and read the kind of literature that was coming out at the time. Go back and read something like Future Shock by Alvin Toffler, which was mm-hmm. trendy in, I want to say, the 1970s and 80s. Uh, uh-huh. You know, so much of this stuff doesn't pan out. And, of course, no one's around 40 years later to say you were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, I'm just thinking about cheaper by the dozen, they used to say. And, uh, and my mother grew up in a family of 13 kids. So, um, yeah, things wow. are definitely different. And, and everybody pitched in, of course, to, and during the 1930s, stayed home from school even to make sure there was food on the table and people could survive. So, yes, uh, technology has certainly been, been a blessing. It can also be a curse, though. And, uh, I mean, you think about um you know, what may have come out of that lab and in in Wuhan, if that's what proves to be the case, that there are certainly some concerns, Uh, nuclear, uh, the nuclear bomb, of course. So there's technologies, mostly positive, but sometimes 
negative as well. But um, so what will be the – who are some of your speakers that you'll have there at, at this uh, Freedom Summit? Well, we have a variety of speakers, uh, doctors from cash only and concierge practices. We have an actuary mm -hmm. to talk about what real insurance would look like if we allowed actual risk assessment to take place instead of mandating insurance and then requiring that it cover X, Y, and Z. That's not how actuarial risk assessment happens, right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. We're going to have some economists there to talk about why uh, the COVID lockdowns were wrong from a uh, <laughs> the, the standpoint of, you know, um, cost benefit, uh -huh. but more, more importantly, we're just going to be talking about technology and innovation in places like these minute clinics we see coming into Walmart, uh -huh. uh, eye exams, dental treatments that, which are cash only because the bottom line is that insurance programs keep getting more and more costly. The premiums keep going up. The co-pays keep going up. The deductibles keep going up. And meanwhile, on the market side of things, the cash prices of things keep falling. And at some point, we're going to get awfully close in between the two, and we're going to get rid of this crazy idea that health insurance is somehow tied to your job. Your mm -hmm. car insurance isn't tied to your job. And second of all, that health insurance should pay for basic services. That, that just doesn't make any sense because that's not insurance. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, the marketplace is going to assert itself, I think, in the coming decades because medicine has just gotten so out of control on the cost mm -hmm. side. Plus, we have entitlements. Mm -hmm. uh, we have an, a population where the over 65s are set to double in America. And, of <laughs> course, your, your later years are when you tend to consume more health care. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the, these cost containment measures, which are really market innovations, mm -hmm. are, are going to happen by hook or by crook. And the question is whether we're going to let them happen or whether we're going to fight them. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I'm, I think it's a fascinating topic because there's no uh, part of the marketplace, perhaps other than education and banking, which is as regulated and controlled as medicine. And so when we see innovators and entrepreneurs finding ways through the cracks, to me, it's, it's fascinating. Definitely. Uh, Jeff, is there a way that people that aren't attending this might learn more about it? Or would it be any of it be uh, videos of it or anything that people might be able to avail themselves to? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to be outside of Boston in New Hampshire. So we'll be on East Coast time. Mm -hmm. uh, and the event is basically from 11.30 till 5, so it's an all-day thing. We're going to have, I think, six, seven, eight speakers. And if you just go to Mises.org, M-I-S-E-S.org, slash live, uh, mm -hmm. it'll stream all day long. That'll take you to our YouTube page. So it's going to stream all day. And then, of course, we'll have the videos available later. So anybody who is uh, a medical professional, people interested in things like nurse practitioners, physician's assistant, uh, cash, and, cash and concierge medicine, uh, you know, the expansion of urgent care into all kinds of new clinics, cash clinics. I think it's, it's uh, fascinating. There's probably going to be opportunities for investors there, too. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that sounds exciting, Jeff. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us. I think it's uh, something that I want to check into, uh, certainly, uh, perhaps, uh, if it's archived. So at uh, Mises.org slash live, I think you said to watch it live. Yes. So, All right, great. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, and uh, always good to hear from you. And, okay, uh, thank you, Jeff. People, you bet. All right, folks, well, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away. Dr. Quentin Henning will be here to talk about the 2 v 2 Gold Project of Lion One Metals. Very exciting story that's, uh, that's coming into being, so don't go away. We'll be right back with Dr. Henning. Thank you. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Firefox Gold is actively exploring in Finland, where recent discoveries have sparked a new gold rush. Firefox controls a major portion of a prospective gold belt, giving the company a distinct advantage for exploration and strategic partnerships. The company's strong international leadership team, combined with its Finland-based exploration specialists, will put Firefox on the crest of the coming wave of gold discoveries. Firefox Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol FFOX. Go to firefoxgold.com to subscribe for updates. SK Mining Corp. Trading under the symbol ESK on the TSX Venture and ESKYF on the OTCQB is a mineral exploration company targeting precious metals, rich VMS deposits in the heart of British Columbia's Golden Triangle. SK Mining controls a prospective land package totaling 130,000 acres, which lies across a geologic trend that once hosted the prolific SK Creek Mine. With a world-renowned geological team, funding in place, and shareholders such as Eric Sprott, SK Mining is on the cusp of a world-class discovery. Go to skmining.com to subscribe for updates. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times, and I'm really happy to tell you that Dr. Quentin Henning is with me once again this time to talk about Lion One Metals. I uh, saw so it's trading earlier today and a pretty wretched day for gold stocks, but it was at around 96 cents when I last checked, 155.8 million shares out, giving it a market cap right around $150 million in U.S. money. Uh, symbol is LIO in Toronto and LOMLF in the States. Thank you for joining me again, Quentin. Always a pleasure, Jay. It is always a pleasure to have you on, and uh, especially when things are going well and so many of the things that you're involved with, starting with Novo Resources, have really been going on very well. And because of Novo and your work in that part of the world, you learned to know a lot about Lion One and got very excited about that. So we want to catch up with you and find out what your thoughts are now. Starting out, uh, maybe comment a little bit on COVID-19 because I think that was, that really slowed down the news flow from Lion One, I think, didn't it? It, it has had an impact, yes. Look, uh, I'm going to kind of give a, a recap since COVID, you know, fell upon all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going back to March of last year, uh, March of last year when basically the world went into lockdown, uh, Fiji, you know, took extra precaution. You know, Fiji uh, has a history with pandemics where, you know, they've, they've had some bad experience and they mm-hmm. certainly wanted to protect the population, which is, is fully uh, fully justified. Um, it did have a, a big impact in our ability to get materials, supplies in. Uh, we, you know, to, but nonetheless, we were able to drill, and we made that discovery. Look, uh, one of our chief objectives, in spite of COVID, was to drill that the deep target that we uh, that 
what we call CSAMT gradient, mm -hmm. which we reckon was potential structure that hosted high grade. We did mm -hmm. drill that. Uh, so around the, the end of July last year, we had a very big intercept, uh, something like 12.7 meters of 56 grams of memory serves. Mm. Uh, in in a, a deeper rooted structure, you know, presumably a feeder structure, uh, mm -hmm. that that helped the company. Uh, it helped uh, the, uh, enabled the company to raise some money. Uh, importantly, you know, so now the company is well cashed up. They have a little over sixty million in the bank, mm. and uh, you know, we, we have been able to get additional rigs on site. So, like you said earlier, we do have six rigs now operating. This includes two surface rigs that have deep capacity two surface rigs that are shallower capacity, and then we have two underground rigs, both operating. So all six rigs are operating right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, to kind of recap things, look, it was an extremely wet year last year, too. The wet seasons from December through, uh, you know, early May, I call it. Uh, it was extremely wet, so that hampered efforts, but we did persist drilling. We got some news out here recently uh, from results from um, – it really, actually, I believe it includes uh, drill holes from all six rigs. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, very good. Okay, so so what's what's happening with the company? Well, uh, you know, due to the recent COVID lockdown in Fiji, uh, we had to kind of park things up by and large for a few weeks, about three or four weeks. We are back to drilling, uh, but you know, it it slowed us down once again. The country is not letting uh, commercial flights come in and out, so we're. Mm looking at how we're going to move our newly hired staff in, but I'm sure we'll figure something out here. Uh, but in the meantime, on site, we have all six drills turning. It is the middle of the dry season, or I guess the early start to the dry season, and we're, we're operating at full capacity. It's a delight to see the, the Fijian crew on site you know, really pull it together and, and perform. Uh, you know, with all six rigs, you know, every day I wake up, I got <laughs> basically an inbox full of updates, uh -huh. uh, you know, from the drill progress. So it's it's nice to see that good, solid progress is, is being made. Um, the most recent results, I'll, I'll just do a little recap if mm -hmm. that uh, helps folks. But uh, one of the objectives, you know, like I said, we got two surface rigs, both capable of doing deep capacity holes, uh, was to test the UR4 load. I think we've reach conclusion that the UR4 is the the host structure for the high grade that we hit last year. Mm -hmm. and, and we did hit it again, okay, in hole 526. We hit uh, 6 meters of 9.1 gram. Now, mm -hmm. this was uh, quite a ways away, okay. This is like 200 meters and change along strike and also higher than the uh, the whole 500 hit last year, okay. Mm. So this is, it's basically confirming that, you know, the structure is well mineralized along strike in a new area. It's not as high grade, but, uh, you know, six meters and 9.1 gram is not bad. Now, we do have uh, other holes that uh, are going to target that area. In fact, one hole right now, hole 528, should be reaching that area. Full, we re released some results from hole 528 in the last news release. Release. It was actually in progress still. Okay, so it was. Yeah. Is uh, you know, it's, partial drilling. Has, drilling has resumed on that hole. Okay, so mm -hmm. that hole should target the same uh, high grade structure here soon. So you know, touch wood. I think, you know, if we hit that again, that will be encouraging. What's really encouraging, in my view, 
is that UR4 is definitely shaping up to be a robust structure. You know, when you see several hundred meters of continuous strike on the structure mm -hmm. like that, and then very, very good grades uh, and widths, um, it's it's quite encouraging. So I, you know, I'm very optimistic. The sh the picture is start starting to take shape. Now, uh, what else is going on inside the company? Uh, the team is uh, currently growing. Okay, it's uh, now Stephen Mann, who's been with the company for a long time. Uh, he's done a fantastic job in Fiji. He's really helped establish Line One in the country and and help get this project going. He is uh, going to to gradually step aside over the next few months, and then uh, some new folks are joining the company. Notably, uh, a fellow named Patrick Hickey. Uh, mm -hmm. who's an American, has a long history of building mines, worked for Newmont. I, in fact, I was at Newmont same time as Patrick. I've known him for quite some time. Uh, Patrick will be moving to Fiji. He's dedicated to move to Fiji to see a mine built. Okay, so this is a big step for the company. If people mm -hmm. miss that message, that is the message. You know, they, they basically are making a commitment here to to go into production. All right, so this is uh, this is good. Uh, but also another gentleman, uh, Sergio Catalani, mm -hmm. uh, he's Canadian. Uh, I've known Sergio, again, for many, many years. Uh, he's had a great track record. He's a geologist uh, who worked for Cisco, and and he also worked for Castle, uh, you know, mines down in mm -hmm. California. He drilled mm -hmm. out that. He's, he's really, really good at the advanced level uh, drill out, uh, you know, and, and – uh, effectively mine development stage uh, mm -hmm. geologic work. Okay, so again, the message is you got uh, a team coming in who know how to build mines. All mm -hmm. right, so that message I, I need to underscore. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the ability to get people into Fiji, you know, given COVID right now, is, uh, is a little vexing, but mm -hmm. I think Fijians will, will gradually loosen up here, and I think we'll be able to get them in within the next few weeks. Uh, but once they do, both are committed to staying there for the long haul and making sure this thing uh, changes, you know, uh, I should say grows from a currently just pure exploration play into mm -hmm. an exploration and mining play. All right. So mm -hmm. this is a wonderful trajectory. I know the people. I've, uh, I feel very confident in their abilities and dedication. And uh, I think, if anything, Lion One is an exceptional opportunity, uh, investment opportunity at this time. Yeah, certainly uh, the lack of news has probably gone along with the decline in the share price, so, so it might be a great time for people to, to pay attention to it again. I'm just wondering, um, Quentin, if you could just sort of summarize by saying you've got six drills now. I'm, I'm guessing that two of them, are, you said, are shallower drills. They might be looking to explore on surface a long strike for other similar uh, structures as, as what you're working on now and, and where the resource is coming from. Uh, you have deep deep drills. So, so just maybe talk about the objectives of the current okay. drill program. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Look, there's really three now, okay? Uh, the two surface rigs that drill shallow holes are basically infilling areas that are anticipated to become a focus for mining here soon. Sure. So those, sure. those rigs are very, they're going to be dedicated to that program for okay. a long time to come. Mm -hmm. The two underground rigs, likewise, they're going to be drilling, mainly going to be drilling uh incremental, uh, you know, infill holes around areas that should become part of a mining uh, scenario over the next few months. Okay, so those those two rigs are going to go at it, uh, you know, to help develop the mine. 
the two deep capacity rigs. These are the two that drill from surface down to depth. One of them is going to remain at Tuvatu and finish uh, or continue drilling offsets to the high-grade feeder, this UR4 load. And then the other one is actually going up to Banana Creek here shortly, which is really exciting because we now have ability to, to move or to, to drill some of the deeper tests. We have some beautiful CSMT gradients at Banana Creek that are very similar to those that we saw last year at Tuvatu. And given the footprint of gold mineralization at Banana Creek, where we literally have you know many hundreds of meters of uh, wide area of veins uh, coming to surface, uh, we think that there's you know basically like branches of a tree that there's a trunk down there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we're going to swing for the fence and drill some deep holes under Banana Creek, mm-hmm. and hopefully we find a completely new Tuvatu type vein system. You know, way up there, it's fully like three and a half kilometers from the existing resource. So if we start to see that come together, you know, this this is the growth that we need to show uh, Tuvatu has potential to be a multi-million ounce gold system. Right. And it's, uh, I, I believe the targets are around a caldera, if I'm right. Um Correct. Right? Yes. Yeah. The, and so there, uh, there could be, there could be, there could be several of those uh those targets, I guess, in the future is what I understand. Very good evidence. We have uh, geophysical data. We have geochemical data that says there's about seven kilometers of strike to the system clear across the caldera. This this big leap that we're going to take up to Banana Creek is really the first time uh, any deep holes have been put anywhere outside of the Tuvatu area. So this is a, a big, big step, but a big first test. It should tell us if, if this system is going to grow by leaps and bounds this year. And are all six drills turning now, or they're, I guess, yes, probably? they are. They, they are, are. And in spite yes. of the fact, uh, okay. And it's, it's natives are doing the drilling. Yeah, yeah. the native Fijians are, are uh, working you know, on the drills. We have really good crews, by the way. Most people don't realize it, but uh, Fiji is host of the Vaticola deposit, so you have a lot of skilled uh-huh. mine-type you know, operators in Fiji there, and right. these are absolutely fantastic. I love, I get to meet with them every Wednesday evening, we have a weekly call, and they're just delightful people. They're absolutely delightful people to work with. Wonderful. All right. Well, we'll keep our eyes on, and what should we be watching for? I guess it's, it may be a while before we start seeing some drill results, given the back logs on. on uh, yeah, no, look, I, what I was trying to say earlier is that we do have six rigs operating, and uh, uh-huh. we have a very focused program from here on out. So, um, you know, for example, hole 528. Uh, is one of our deeper holes, and like I said, you know, it should be getting down to target depth here soon. Uh, we have several underground rigs, uh, holes that are going right now that are going to test uh, incremental extensions to some of the loads in the area around the, where we plan to go mine. I think we'll see some results out of those. And then, you know, the hole, the deep hole uh, for, uh, you know, Banana Creek is going to start here shortly. And uh-huh. that's that's really exciting. Look, you know, what's really beautiful, they have their own assay lab in Fiji. Right oh, there. okay. Right, right. And, and so, you know, once they drill a hole, I would say, like, as soon as core comes out of the ground, it's probably two to four days turnaround mm-hmm. time to get wow. assay. So not in the same predicament as many other parts oh, of the world. okay. So All right. Well, I that's important not, to know. I would not say this is going to take long to start seeing some numbers coming out. All right. Well, that's a very important thing for those of us that like to time our investments, uh, for sure. All right. Well, very good. Thanks, Quentin, for the update. It's a very exciting story, no doubt about that. And uh, we'll look to keep up with you in the future. You or uh, someone from the company anyway. So thanks so much. Thank you, Dick. All right, folks. Well, that is uh, it for this 
a segment, but don't go away because Bob Moriarty is going to be with us. That's one of uh, Dr. Quentin Henning's greatest admirers, I must say. Even written a book that's uh, largely about Dr. Henning. Uh, what um, what what came of the crow? I believe is the title of it. And uh, anyway, uh, what became of the crow? We'll, we'll talk to Bob Moriarty right after the break. So don't go away. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Lion One Metals is focused on high-grade gold in Fiji, led by legendary Canadian financier Walter Barakoff. Lion One is permitted for production and drilling for discoveries in one of the most exciting high-grade gold projects in the prolific South Pacific Ring of Fire. Lion One trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol LIO and on the OTCQX under the symbol LOMLF. Go to our website at liononemetals.com for more information about Lion One Metals and high-grade gold in Fiji. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Bob Moriarty of 321 Gold fame. That's uh, 321gold.com, a site that I go to every day because there's always a lot of great content and content, of course, that's related to what I do and following the gold sector and the gold mining sector. Bob holds all kinds of records as a pilot. uh, He was uh, most famously known for his his flight under a small aircraft under the Eiffel Tower, and you can actually, if you want to look it up on Wikipedia, or look it up on the, on the internet, you can, find, uh, you can find that clip of Bob flying it under his, his aircraft underneath the uh, Eiffel Tower. I don't know, I think he'd probably be put in jail these days if he tried that, but nonetheless, many, a few decades back, he, he successfully did that. You can also find out more about him by going to Wikipedia, as there is a Wikipedia uh, background on Bob, and you, you can learn a lot about about him. Uh, he is the author of many books, but his latest one uh, that, uh, I, of course, we've talked about before in this show is What Became of the Crow, Inside the Greatest Gold Discovery in History. Of course, uh, Bob is talking about the massive conglomerate-hosted gold discovery of Western Australia, uh, which may indeed be larger than the Whitwaters Rand discovery in South Africa. Time will tell if that's the case or not. Uh, but something like 30% or 40% of all the gold that's ever been mined has come out of the Whitwaters Rand, and Dr. Quentin Henning uh, had a theory which took him to Western Australia, and that um, and that has uh, it, it seems to be panning out very much different, of course, than, than South Africa, but nonetheless, uh, Dr. Henning seems to be on to something that's very, very significant, and Bob uh, was probably, his, probably the person almost closest to Quentin Henning through the whole 
exploration effort. And so he has a lot to say about that. That's why, Bob, um, I think it's very, very colorful. The book is very interesting. It's a fascinating read. Even if you're not a gold bug, it's a lot of fun to read it. The, the human nature that comes through uh, in, in the whole the whole story is just really fascinating. So, Bob, thanks so much for spending time with us again today. Thanks for joining me. Jay, you never told them how to buy it. Oh, well, yeah, well, that's, I know there, I know I saw there's a special offer on your website at 321 Gold. Uh, it's a discount, I think, a 15% discount for the color version, which is what I have. Uh, there's a couple of different versions of the book, but the book that I have, the copy that I have, uh, has colored pictures all throughout, and it, it, it's, it's just a lovely book. It's, it's, I can't say enough good about it, but, uh, yeah, they go to 321 Gold, where can they go? The Amazon, they can go where? No, no, uh, here's what they should do. They should go to 3 to 1 Gold. The uh-huh. article is right at the top. Between now through the 18th of June, mm-hmm. Lulu is giving a 15% discount on all three books. So you can get mm-hmm. the Kindle version through Lulu, or you can get the black and white paperback version through Lulu, or you can get the color hardback. And, and I'll be candid. I mean, I, I'm really proud of the hardback. It's a beautiful book. It but is. Whether you want a Kindle version or whether you want an inexpensive paperback, uh, 15%, it's still 15%. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's a, it's a great book, no doubt. Of course, of course, uh, I've lived through this not as uh, not as intimately as you have with the with the discovery of this uh, massive conglomerate gold belt. You you were over there a number of times with Dr. Henning, and um, and so you you know the story as well as anybody else uh, alive. But uh, before we get onto the things I want to talk about today, I just want to ask you: What are your thoughts about Noble? They did come out uh, with the latest uh, monthly gold production. It does seem to me. That things are starting to starting to get the bugs worked out of their startup uh, operations, the gold mine there at Beaton's Creek. How do you see it? Well, uh, here's the deal, and I'm glad you said that because that's absolutely correct. Uh, Novo actually has four totally different uh, revenue flows potential. Mm-hmm. The obvious is Beaton's Creek. Uh, and they're producing gold there now, and they own the mill, and uh, the production is increasing every month, and they are working the bugs out, and I think that's going to be a home run. Uh, they've got Carartha, uh, and and they're going to be shipping ore from Carartha to Beaton's Creek to run it through the sorting machine, the ore sorting machine, and that's going to prove the viability of Carartha. That'll give us a, a situation where we can actually come up with some numbers. Uh, the jewelry box, and my favorite, is Edgina, mm-hmm. and, and that's where they've got conglomerate gold in gravel near surface, very inexpensive to process. They're held up there uh, because two of the native groups have to come together and have to agree, and they haven't been able to do that yet because of COVID. It's not anything that Novo can do anything about. It's totally out of their control. But one of the things that that, uh, investors are missing, uh, I I bought the gray stock when it was a nickel a share. Mm -hmm. It's like a year and a half, two years ago. And I held on to it for a long time. The gray went 
to a $1.8 billion company, and I think the high in the stock was $1.60. Novo has similar ground to DeGray. It's hard rock. Obviously, they'll have to drill, but mm -hmm. it's totally ignored by the market. And they've got about $200 million worth of shares in newfound gold. So. Uh -huh. Anybody who's down on Novo simply does not understand the story. And someday I'll write a second book, and it's going to be just as interesting as the first book. Oh, I look forward to it, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly – I'm very encouraged by what I'm seeing at, at Beaton's Creek, and I'm very much aware. I, I wonder, Bob, do you think uh, if – so they'll ship the – They'll ship the material down to Beaton's Creek and run it through a sorting machine at Beaton's Creek to test it, I guess. But then ultimately, when they have the separation technology up at Caratha and then yeah. ship a, uh, a ship a concentrate down to the mill? Yes, uh, that's absolutely what they'll do. But uh, given the fact that the biggest source of taxes in Australia is mining, it's shocking how difficult it is to do things. Uh, it would take quite a period of time to get Haratha permitted. So mm -hmm. believe it or not, it's cheaper for them to shove the rock in a truck and take it down to Beach Creek, crush it, and run okay. it through the disorder. All that's going to do is prove the viability of the sorter. They'll get some idea of grade, they'll get some idea of the cost of sorting. And obviously, when they're not using the sorting machine for the Karartha ore, they can also use it to, to process low-grade beaten creek ore. So uh, this is a story that's been a long time moving forward. Yeah. But there's some really good things about it, and anybody that's buying shares now is getting at one of the lowest prices. It's been at three years. I think Novo is a great story. I've always loved the story. I love participating, being on the inside, and I think it's a giant success. And someday, investors can actually realize that. They're going to realize it. I think it may not take all that long. But let's get to the topics that we wanted to talk about today at COVID-19 and related issues. You sent me a note suggesting that uh, medical doctors have known how to prevent severe cases of COVID-19, yet the treatments for early states, uh, stages of the disease, they were all played down by the media and the elite uh, in favor of developing a vaccine at warp speed. Can you share for us uh, some of the common knowledge that practitioners, uh, medical practitioners, doctors were very well aware of? And some of them we did hear talking about it um, uh, early on. Um, you know, the, there were st different different uh, treatments that were available that, that, if applied early on at least, would reduce the, uh, reduce the severity of the disease and keep people out of the hospitals. But there didn't seem to be too much interest in that from uh, at least from the people that are calling the shots. There were doctors that were practicing things and successfully doing so, and there were papers that were written by, uh, you know, a host of medical scientists but were paid attention to by, uh, by, the, uh, by the mainstream, the ruling elite. But uh, can you share for us some of the practices that physicians were successfully using that were largely ignored by, uh, by the mainstream? Let, let me give you a quick and dirty elevator pitch. In March of 2020, we didn't know very much about COVID, 
and everybody was guessing what the problem was, what the solution was. Fauci took it upon himself to be the spokesman. He wanted to be St. Fauci. He wanted to have all the answers. And the problem with Fauci is he's the highest paid federal government official in the country. He is a bureaucrat. He does not treat patients. He has never seen a COVID patient. And there was a doctor in France who said, oh, by the way, uh, if you use HCQ, which is a synthetic quinine, uh, that actually will cure uh, COVID. Mm-hmm. And Fauci immediately came out and said, well, no, you would need 15 months to run a valid test on that. And uh, we're not even going to suggest or, or allow people to do that. And mm-hmm. in fact, uh, anyone who even mentioned the word HCQ was immediately censored by by social media. And when Trump came out and said, well, HCQ could be a solution, he was attacked. Mm-hmm. Well, when Trump came out and said we could have a vaccine by the end of the year, he was attacked again. But what happened on November 6th, and well, gee, big shock, we got a vaccine. But it's not a vaccine, okay? It's gene therapy. A vaccine has some dead particles in it from whatever it is you're trying to cure, whether it's smallpox, polio, or COVID. There, there is no, there is no uh, dead things in what is called a vaccine. To be correct, it is not a vaccine, it is gene therapy. Well, here's what we've learned since then. The NIH and Fauci were lying all along about the Wuhan lab having a program to increase the gain of function. Now, what that means is you take a disease and, and you make it more of a bioterror weapon. And years ago, Congress in the United States, we're not gonna allow you to do that in the United States. So Fauci and the DOD took $69 million and paid it to the Wuhan lab, and guess what? It escaped. So Fauci wants to blame uh, the lab, okay? But the funny thing is Fauci was the guy who paid for it. Uh, let's go to the PCR test, and this is what Fauci has said all along is the gold standard of testing. The PCR test takes some DNA and it multiplies it. And mm-hmm. even according to Fauci, if you multiply the DNA 27 times, once you go above that, it's not valid because it's it's too small to mm-hmm. see. But the CDC recommends 40 cycles. Now, do you do you actually understand what the cycle is, Jay? Because it's a little confusing. I'm not sure that I do. Okay, I'm going to explain it to you in simple terms. Two times two is four. Two so. times four is eight. Two times eight is 16. Okay, so mm-hmm. two to the third power mm-hmm. is 16. Mm-hmm. Cycles are nothing but a doubling. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you go two to the 27th power, that yeah. is what's referred to as a big damn number. Sure it if is. Yeah. You go two to the 40th power, that's like a really friggin' 
out of sight number. But the tests are not valid, and the tests are generating 40 to 90% false positive. Okay, so we got all these people running around who think they have COVID, and it's called asystematic, which somatic, which means you don't show any symptoms. Well, the reason you don't show any symptoms is you don't have COVID. You don't have anything. And what the government has done, if you check into a hospital with a heart attack, okay, you pay for it. If you check into a hospital with a heart attack and you test positive for COVID in a test that's invalid, the government pays for it. So <laughs> that's what the hospitals do. Oh, geez, everybody's got COVID. So if you get have gunshots and you test positive, it's COVID. If you're in an automobile accident, you die and you test positive, it's COVID. If you drink yourself to death and test positive, it's COVID. So the numbers are totally meaningless. Okay. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, there are tens of thousands of doctors all over the world who are treating real patients mm-hmm. and they want a solution. Mm-hmm. They tried HCQ and it worked, but they're not allowed to talk about it. Okay. The social media, which really is a, a government agency of sorts. Okay. Social media silences itself. Yeah. And then somebody said, well, gee, uh, ivermectin, which everybody that raises sheep or cattle or horses, everybody uses ivermectin. Uh, it's an anti-parasite. It also would cure COVID. And you're not allowed to talk about that. Okay, If you mention it, social media will silence you. So the doctors who are actually treating patients are being silenced. And the doctors who never treated patients are the guys that we're listening to. Yeah. Now, I, I wrote an article last August, August 20th, it seems to me. And I said that Fauci and Bill Gates belong in jail. And if any of my readers would like to go back and read the article, we've still got it in the archives. And I'm going to say I was absolutely correct. Fauci has been lying all along. We know how to prevent it. The, the people who come down with COVID who die have a vitamin D deficiency and they're obese and they're old. Now, we can't do anything about people being old. We can't do very much about people being obese, but we can damn sure do something about doing vitamin D. And even Fauci has said, well, gee, vitamin D would not be a bad idea. But do you hear anybody in the government saying, people, if you want to keep from getting COVID, take vitamin D. No, nobody wants to say that. There are tens of billions of dollars that have been paid to drug companies to generate this gene therapy. And I'll be absolutely candid, and I've never changed my point of view from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. It's the most dangerous thing in medical history. Mm -hmm. They're now finding out the spike protein which right. was supposed to stick around the, the injection site, actually goes to every organ in the body. And some airlines are saying if you've had two shots, you need to be very careful about traveling because you can come down with thrombosis because it causes oh. blood in the body. Sure. So there are serious problems with the so-called vaccines, and every single day it looks worse. So, Bob, you're saying that the airlines, uh, which are, you know, I thought you needed to have the vaccinations in order to 
for them to feel comfortable about you getting on the airplane. Now they're saying they're actually recognizing and realizing uh, because of the altitude, I guess uh, there could be more danger for people that have had two shots. Is that what you're saying? And the airlines, the airlines have actually have actually uh, acknowledged that. Yes, indeed, they have. the The number of problems with the the gene therapy increase every single day, and they're realizing that quite bluntly, I don't think it does anything. First of all, and and it's very deadly, and it's killed tens of thousands of people. And why the hell are people get vaccinated? Now, this this latest thing over the weekend with the G7, if all of those people who are at the G7 have been vaccinated, we know they have, and they've got the top medical care in the entire world, why are they going through the theater wearing masks and bumping elbows? Give me a break. Yeah. Okay. I know. It's theater. It's fraud. Okay. And it's the biggest fraud in world history. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you brought to my attention Dr. Riddle, Dr. Biddle, I think his name is, a professor of viral immunology at the University of Guelph in Ontario. And there is a, a video there in which he explained this whole issue about the vaccine, the, the spike proteins uh, not staying at the, at the injection site, but actually being transmitted through the blood to the various organs. And this is something that apparently a peer group of scientists from Japan, uh, he, he referred to that to that work that's done in Japan, relates to clotting and other problems, that, uh, uh, problems more to do with the circulatory system. But I have to ask you, do you, do you think this is just motivated by sheer profits and greed or politics, or, or what do you think is going on here, Bob? Uh, it's interesting you say that, because actually I don't think we have enough data, but there is an interesting video in Russian by a Russian general from March of 2020, and he said it's bioterrorism. Now, I don't know that that's true, but quite bluntly, and I was in the military for six years and in combat for two years, mm-hmm. if I wanted to come up with a bioterrorism program, it, it would look just like COVID. Yeah, and people can be so easily... Uh duped and i mean everybody is being basically i mean what we're the talk that we're you know what i'm hearing you say now you know is it's considered to be lunacy by the media the propaganda and so forth so what bothers me more than anything bob is that we're not allowed to hear dissenting views uh, credible scientists i'm not talking well, about people like me that know nothing about medical science but credible scientists are not allowed to speak one of so, the things that happens when you turn to totalitarianism is that you silence all of the dissenting voices. Mm-hmm. If you go to CNN today, it talks about emails demonstrate that Trump was trying to get the DOJ to look into voter fraud in the election. Well, he was the president of the United States. He believed there was voter fraud. The DOJ worked for him. Why the hell wouldn't he ask him to look into it? Sure, why shouldn't he? And I'll, I'll go slightly off topic for just a minute. Arizona is doing an audit of the, the complete election. Yeah, they don't talk about it. 
and they've done a really good job because there's no speculation whatsoever. They're not whisper campaign or anything. They're doing their job, and at some point they're going to report it. But the Democrats are having an absolute fit. Okay, they do not want anybody counting those ballots. Now, when I was in Vietnam, well, we wanted to know where the North Vietnamese were. We would go fly low over them. And we, when we went over a good target, they would shoot at us. We could actually hear them. Okay, so we knew that was a good target. Uh, the Democrats may not be guilty, but they're sure acting guilty. Yeah. Yeah, why don't they want an option? Why don't they want it to be audited? Uh, yeah. Is the question. I, I mean, if it's they can have their own their own people there to oversee it, right? I presume it's not just a bunch of Republicans. I would hope. I don't no, know. But you know, it's an independent uh, company that's doing the audit. Now, I'll, I'll be real candid. The idea that social media companies should have the right to silence the president of the United States, I think it's absurd. I don't like Trump. Okay. No, I know you don't. In fact, you never did. Facebook said we're not going to post you or Twitter. Who the hell do they think they are? Well, uh, you know, the Democrats are quick now to say, well, that's capitalism and you have the right. It's your property. You have the right to do what you're doing and uh, you you can silence and let people say what they want or not. Um, That's their right as a private company and a private concern. So I guess uh, selectively they uh, they they they. uh, honor that that idea but uh, anyway um, that's total bullshit okay because the real danger is there they can't be sued yeah that's right that's right and what we need to do is we need to remove that right and if they want it sent somebody that's fine they are companies but then we should be able to sue them and put them out of business right Right, because other other media are subject to lo- those lawsuits. The regular, the television people, newspapers, and so forth. It's just the social media that has that uh, has that protection, I guess, isn't it? So it really allows them to be, and they don't have any competition from the other side. Uh, so it's just basically they've silenced uh, those that would compete with them. So well, yeah, it they, is a, it, they are public utilities. And they should come under control of government just like every other public utility does. And the idea that they should censor anyone, who are they? What's some 25-year-old kid going to decide? Yeah, oh, I agree. I, I do. It's, it's, yeah, it certainly is the end of our republic if it continues on, no doubt about it. Uh, Bob, we're going to have to go. That's just about all the time we have. I want to thank you very much. Uh, one, 30 seconds for a closing thought, perhaps. Uh, we are going to have a massive crash soon. When uh, people, you're talking about a market crash. Yeah. When people pay $4 million for an NFT of the original picture of dog who was on Doggy Coin, uh, you have reached peak insanity. I look for a massive crash into October. In- Okay. All right. No, not okay. It is what it is. Um, we'll have to leave it go at that, though, Bob. We're out of time. Uh, we know what. Well, we know what people should own, other than paper money. So we talk about that all the time. Thanks so much, Bob, for being with us. We'll look to do it again sometime in the near future, hopefully. Uh, folks, that is it for this week. Next week, we're going to have fund manager and adjunct professor Peter Treadway with us, Michael Oliver, and Corwin Co of Sika Gold as well. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. 
Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. NV Gold Corporation, trading under NVX on the TSX and NVGLF on the OTCQB, is a gold exploration company focused on uncovering the next multi-million ounce gold deposit in Nevada with an aggressive exploration season ahead in 2021, a tight share structure, strong management ownership, key strategic investors, a globally recognized technical team, report coverage from industry gold experts, and a strong treasury. Visit NV Gold Corp. Corp.com to learn more on this exciting story.